morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. That's well, good to hear. A couple of you anyway. Hopefully you'll feel better about it after my sermon. Hopefully not worse. So just some announcements this morning uh, really quickly. In your little bulletins, there's some great announcements. Uh, remember, uh, evening assemblies are at, at uh, Tamra's, except for tonight. Tonight we'll have our uh, Thanksgiving family fellowship dinner here, and uh, there's going to be lots of great eats. There's going to be turkey and ham, and, and there's going to be uh, a venison as well. Uh, we would have had elk except for my freezer died, and that wonderful elk I got last year died when the freezer died. So... Um, we might want to pray that when I go down to hunt elk this Saturday, I might get another one and get a new freezer and all that fun stuff. Anyway. Speaking of dying things. Oh, okay. Dying. That Wait, everybody can hear me okay? Oh, got it. Okay. All right. So uh, because because there's lots of people not here last week, I'm going to pass that around once again. Tonight at 5.30 is when we're going to begin. And uh, we'll spend some time in great fellowship, about an hour and uh, enjoy that time together. And then I got a, a short uh, uh, Thanksgiving message uh, this evening. I want you to think for those uh, who might be coming and assembling with us, think about what you have taken for granted uh, in your life. Does anybody else besides me take people and things we have for granted? You know, we need to do that, and here's why. It's because... Oftentimes we, we get all really upset when first world problems come in and it's actually because we've just kind of taken those things for granted that we uh, come so uh, uh, endeared to. Uh, some of you know my new cell phone died <clears throat> and uh, I, I lost my right arm. It's like all my notes and all my calendar and everything was in there and I've been trying to become techie and not put it on on paper, and I'm going, I'm going to put everything on paper. I don't care if I have a cell phone that tells me when to wake up, when to go to sleep, when to brush my teeth. I am writing it all down in my book because technology sometimes fails you, but pencil and paper do not. It's the brain that sometimes. So anyway, uh, lest I digress any further, uh, a couple of announcements also too. Uh, family camp's coming up. Make sure that you're ready to go for that. It's going to be a great time. And uh, also, too, uh, Christmas potluck uh, fellowship and party. Uh, ugly sweater is coming back once again. Uh, I don't know about you, but last year, Alan won the... Uh, did you, you won the Ugly Sweater Award. And uh, it was pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. Uh, everything about it was pathetic, except for Alan. Alan was not pathetic. So uh, if you like to do that kind of thing and uh, we're bringing back the uh, white elephant gifts. Uh, if you want to do nice gift, that's fine. If you want to do a white element, elephant, that's great. I I still have my... Uh, uh, yeah, what was the guy's name? I think he just passed it. Willie. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson Chia Pet. I'm still thinking about growing that. It's probably the only thing on a head that will grow anymore. But anyway, so we're bringing that back this year. So uh, beware, or I mean, sorry, be informed that we're having our Christmas party. And of course, we'll remember, of course, the birth of Christ. Every good gift, 
And and every perfect thing comes from heaven above. You know, Willie Nelson Chia Pet things. Yeah, everything. So, moving on with that. Any other announcements? Bill? Yes. Yes. Get more acquainted with one another. That's how we get to know each other. So I would really like to encourage everyone to do that. Amen. Amen. And you know what I really love about those times? It's just lots of great conversation and, you know, no droning preacher. It's just really fun. So it's good. All right. Here we go. Notes of encouragement. Tanya, always, a all, always. And they put that in, in parentheses, like always, not just always. Always a thankful and kind sister. Let's give it up for Tanya. You know, and the word kind means helpful. And I'm telling you what, Tanya has been so helpful to my family in so many different ways. And I know to so many other families. So, Levi, we are thankful to have you and your family back again. Let's give it up for Levi and... Uh, Jessica, Rachel, and the kids. Great to have you here today. Here we go. Max. Max. I hope this is Max. Looks like Mary, but I think it's Max. We don't have a Mary in here, so it must be Max. Max, thank you for being my rock hound, buddy, and for the Princess Bride quote. Wow. What was the Princess Bride quote? <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> I remember that oh so well, yes. Uh, those are some good memories and some interesting memories. So, moving on. Any others that we should announce this morning? Do we have birthdays? Birthdays. Yes, Tony and TJ. We're just going to catch up with them. Oh, by the way, we should be praying for TJ. Uh, he's out hunting elk. Uh, the deer he got was a good-sized deer, but somebody mentioned about the size of his family. He needs an elk. And so he's out with his dad this morning uh, hunting elk. So uh, others, yes? Um, if you'd like to somebody you or Sharon show me where the notes of encouragement chapter sheet is, because we're painfully out of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so here's the plan. I'm staying afterwards today because we got a Bible study. I'm going to help do the decorating. It might look scary when you get here, but at least I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, so the Bible study, and so I'll, I'll run some more of those. Well, I'd be happy to do it. I don't, I'm not trying to make you guys do it. No, you're not making me do nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there. So, But thank you for the reminder, you know. Life's been a little a little wild, so anyway. All right, well, let's, oh, yes, another one. Oh, my sweet, lovely helpmate. If we can move, uh, stack all these chairs in stacks of four and move them over here and bring up six tables from downstairs, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Oh, yeah, eight tables. Eight tables. Thank you. No, okay, nine. All right. I no. no, we did that once before. <laughs> I'm in debtor's prison now, but it's kind of fun. 
<laughs> and I did it to myself, but that's yeah, it's a whole other story. So, so yeah, if we could get these stacked in four and bring up nine uh, tables, that would be fantastic. I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn back to First John. Faith is the victory that overcomes this rotten old world. Faith is the victory. What a great passage of scripture. And uh, I love the passage in Romans and 8 as well. We overwhelmingly conquer. We are overwhelmingly victors through the love of Jesus Christ. Same, same word uh, as uh, um, overwhelming conquerors. We are overwhelming through Christ Jesus. So 1 John in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. His command, excuse me, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world or is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that we have already been given the victory. If we would remain faithful and growing our faith, that faith like your Son, Jesus Christ's faith, that Father, we do and will have the victory. And for those who are victorious, there are great blessings, blessings for eternity. And I would pray, Father, that we would listen carefully to your son Jesus Christ this morning, as he really is very blunt about uh, helping the church realize their need and praising them and encouraging them to remain faithful in what they've already accomplished, knowing that there is great reward for those who overcome, for those who remain in Christ victorious, Father. I pray this in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. I want you to also turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I, I, would, I really wanted to do uh, Romans 8, but we've done that a lot, so I figured this one is a, is a really amazing passage. And uh, unfortunately, Brian kind of stole it, at least the end of it. We'll turn to verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. But I believe that God wants it, wanted us to hear it twice. Okay? Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, that we will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? 
Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because you have the victory, because you already have the victory, what does he say? Beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. I love that one. Now let's get down to King Jesus telling us the what for. How many have ever been a, had a coach before? How many have ever had a coach in any kind of athletic pursuit? Please raise your hand. Okay? Jeff, I know you were playing football. I've seen some pictures of this young stud muffin just slamming people down as you're running. Man, he's a good looking dude. How many you still are? You still are? Well, see, Carrie's going, yeah, he is. That's good, Carrie. That's good. You know, it's, it's absolutely amazing to me that coaches can get away with hammering on people. They can get in your face and say, look at you little jerk. You need to get, and, and you say, well, those are terrible coaches. You know what I have seen? Coaches tear into people. Tell them exactly what they're doing wrong and how to get it fixed if they want to win. And kids take it. They do. I had a wrestling coach once. Only once. But I had a wrestling coach. And uh, I wish I could call him up. I can't even remember his name. But he called me a pretty cool thing, you know. And I was messing up a lot. And he, he would come over there and say, well, that was a great move, but you're going to break your neck next time you do that. So I don't want you to do that anymore. He says, notice what would happen if, and he demonstrated it, and I went, oh, I could break my neck. He says, you're not going to do that anymore because I want you to stay the course so that you become a national champion like I've been. I'm old, you're not, and you can become a national champion. Notice what he did there. Did you hear what the coach said? You're going to kill yourself if you keep doing it wrong. But if you do it right, you have it in you to be a national champion. Now, I've told that story before. He was a great coach. I never did that again. I tried to shortcut a move. And in wrestling, you don't want to shortcut moves because one little shortcut can actually get you broken pretty bad. So I called up TJ this morning. I said, TJ. I just want to know for certain that a coach can grind on his or her, you know, athletes and they'll take it. And he goes, uh, he was out, he was out hunting and he goes, I'm texting you because I can't talk because I'm here with my dad waiting for a big bull to come out. I mean, how can you be hunting and doing that? That's kind of cool. I told him I need a coach quote. I just asked him, I said, can you grind on a kid and have them perform? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm consistently correcting mistakes and turning them into opportunities for the, for the athlete to learn. I try to recreate what the mistake or scenario was and then show the bigger picture on why we don't want that to happen because of the consequences of that mistake. Being a good coach, in my opinion, is problem solving with super positive encouragement 
so that the uh, wrestler maintains a high level of confidence and trust in me to help him or her fix a problem so they can be victorious. In other words, he doesn't mix words. He says, this is wrong and you're going to lose. This is the right way to do it. And I've seen, how many have seen him coach? How many have ever seen, you haven't? Man, you need to get online sometime because he always films his kids and, and watching him. I think his wife actually films him and the kids. It's pretty amazing. He's a great coach. But you know, when a preacher says something from the word of God, it's like, that guy's been a judgmental jerk. Or when a parent says something, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Or a boss says something and it's like, you know what, get off my case. Am I wrong? But a coach can get away with it. I want you in heaven. Please pay attention. I want you in heaven. I don't want to be standing there with the sheep and look across the way. Wait a minute, you're, you're supposed to be over here. How about people you've worked with? Do you want to be standing with the sheep and see them on the other side? Because you know what's coming. Oh, the, we're going to get judged first. And you know what all those people are going to hear? As they see us stand up individually before King Jesus, you know what they're going to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Brian Bragg, Eric Johnson, Angie Braid, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And they're over there going, why did I not listen to them? Do you think that, do you think that we're all going to be there together? Does that the Bible say that? Yes or no? It says that. A good coach will tell you what you're doing wrong, and a good coach will tell you what you're doing right. And a good coach will tell you to take care of that thing, get that wrong out of your life, and excel. And you take it from a coach. Will you take it from King Jesus? Will you take that from King Jesus? I want you to be victorious. Who wants you to be victorious more than I do? When Jesus gave his blood, he gave it all for you. He wants you in heaven. And so when he says, you need to get this figured out, you need to get it figured out. Can I get an amen on that one? That's, that's King Jesus wants you in heaven. King Jesus wants you to continue to grow in victory. Let's take a look. Romans and, or Revelation and chapter 2. We're only going to do 2 two of the churches where he says, and those who overcome, those who are victorious will receive these great things. But before he says, those who are victorious, he says, this is what you're doing wrong, get it fixed. This is what you're doing right, excel still more and more. You know there's two churches where there's no bad things? There's two churches where they're doing everything right. 
And he's telling them, excel still more and more. And he's kind enough to tell them what's coming their way. Well, let's take a look. We're going to look at the church at Ephesus. Chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 7. This is King Jesus speaking to the church. And by the way, all seven churches are illustrative of the church. Illustrative of you and I. Because when you hear a church where Jesus is saying, you need to knock this off, you need to realize that he's talking to the church, not just the church there. He did the seven churches to cover basically all the bases. Some would disagree with that. But I would suggest that we listen to King Jesus, and if we're doing something that he says knock off, we better knock it off. Repent is the right word. okay? And if he says excel still more and more in this, then well, I'm not doing that. Do that. Can I get an amen on that one? I'm not trying to force the issue here. But this is heaven or eternity in the lake of fire. And Jesus wants you there. So he's a coach that's both blunt about what needs to change and blunt about good job. I like that kind of coach. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, literally to the, the preacher at the church of Ephesus, right? The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven uh, golden lampstands says this. Jesus is speaking here. He says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and, and they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet, this you do have, you hate the deeds of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Well, now let's look at our lesson plans and just run really quickly through this. You know what he's saying to this church? You are doing phenomenal in almost every way, you're doing phenomenal, except for you become apathetic in the priority, your first love, your first devotion. What is that? But let's first go through the purging, the possessing of the glorious character of Christ, and then the call to persevere. Take a look with me if you would. You must purge yourself or, or, or purge yourself of not putting the right things first. What does he say there? You have what? You have lost your love, the first love. Do the deeds of your first love. Now, what is he talking about there? I have an older preacher friend that says, well, it's, it's a love for evangelism. It's love for seeking and saving the lost. And, and I have a problem with that one because I've not seen that specifically spoken. 
but I have seen some others specifically spoken. Does anybody know what Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says? Let's take a look. Matthew chapter 6 uh, and verse 33. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Listen to the priority here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All the things that you need in this life will be added to you if you have priorities. The first priority is to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. That priority has actually two parts. That first priority has two parts. What is it? Kingdom first and his righteousness first. I have to share with you that if you don't put his righteousness first, you're not going to put the kingdom first. Well, think about that for just a minute. If you don't put following Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're not going to love his people, the church. And so I believe the first love is actually putting Jesus as first place in your life. Is it possible, brethren, is it possible to do all the right church things at all the right times and not love Jesus? Is it possible? Well, think about that. Is it possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason? Is it possible? It is absolutely possible. I had a preacher one time back east when I was back in Virginia. I asked him that and he goes, no, I don't think that's possible. And I gave him a simple example. He goes, oh, yeah, uh, I guess it is possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. See, it's so important for us to put Jesus first, and that is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, suffered horribly, as Brian preached last week. That was a horribly great sermon. You know what I mean? I went back home, everybody said, you gotta listen to Brian, you gotta listen to Brian. I went back home, got online, listened to Brian. Wow, you need to listen to, I know you did a good job this week too, I haven't listened to it yet, but last week's adult Bible class, it'll blow you away. Jesus did all that because he wants you to get victoriously into heaven. And we're not gonna love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're gonna love our own things and our own stuff and our own schedule. I have to be honest with you. And I was so fired up to go deer hunting this year. And uh, in fact, I just went six times and I went to some of those difficult, challenging places. And no deer, no deer, no deer, no deer bucks. Lots of does. Even when they're in the rut, lots of does. No bucks chasing them. What's wrong with deer these days? <laughs> what is happening to them? Don't they understand what they're supposed to do at this time of year? Supposed to step out so I can shoot them. Anyway. You know what? This was a very successful deer season. You know why? I put priorities where they should be. Praising God for the life I have. Praising God for the experience available. You've hunted with me before in years past. So have you. And you know that's not where I was at in years past. Man, I just had a great year. It was awesome. I learned so much about myself. I grew in confidence. You know, my priorities were right. And it was great joy. 
and great fellowship with the brothers that I went out hunting with. It was awesome. The best year, honestly, I've ever had. You're saying, well, you didn't get anything. Oh, I got lots. Things that are eternal. So notice, kingdom first. But before the kingdom, we must love Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when someone becomes a Christian, who are they? They are a Christ one. So if you learn to love Jesus first, who are you also going to love? Who are you going to love? We just read it in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. You're going to love his children because you love God's son, Jesus. You're going to love his children. Boy, I think sometimes the church has lost that picture. You just Sunday, Sunday morning, I'm going to be there. That's great, I'm glad. But what about Monday morning when you're at work? Are you going to be there for Jesus? Are you going to be for those people who are not yet Christians? Are you going to be there for them? Do you know who's going to be a Christian and who's not? Do you? No. Well, I don't know, so why should I try? You should try for every person. Try for every person. Live the life. Share with them your love of Christ. But don't mention that. Just love them like Christ. There's power there. Now, what does he say? Good job, guys. Go back to Revelation chapter 2. He says, good job, your deeds. I know your deeds. Specific acts that pro, uh, portray Christ's character. I know you're living the life of Christ. You've been looking to me. You've been following my example, and you're living those deeds, those specific deeds, like Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. You know what an act of kindness is? An act of kindness, very simply stated, is when you see a need, you step right up and you, you, you do something about it. Right? So, I'm just going to throw this out there and I'm not going to, I want think about this. When there's an opportunity to serve the saints, like stack chairs, bring tables in, do that, you're saying, well, that's, you know, not... Every little act of kindness, God remembers. Remember? If you give a drink of water to somebody. If you share with them some food when they're hungry. If you visit them in prison. If you share with them some clothing. I mean, it's very simple stuff. That is the acts of kindness. We can do that. They were doing that consistently. Look at the next one there. The next one's really important. Uh, toil. I know your toil. You know what the word toil means in the Greek? I thought actions, deeds, actions, and toil were the same thing. They're not. Here's what the word toil means. Powering through hardships and pains in your service to Christ and the church. Powering through the hardships and pains of when you're serving Christ and his church. You know, I don't, like I said, know who's going to become a Christian. But I'm always opening doors of opportunity by conversations. You know, when I was hunting with some folks uh, this year that weren't Christians yet, they're in the pre-Christian stage of their life, well, I was drawing near to them. Now, I, I left Brian in the dust a lot so I could hang out with someone who's a pre-Christian. And I left Brad in the dust. Brad, you know, many of you know Brad McKenna. I left him in the dust so I could hang out with a 
pre-Christian. And you're saying, well, why were you doing that? I was doing that because I was hunting while hunting. Do you understand? That's what I do. Isn't that what we should do? Isn't that what we should do? You're saying, well, that sounds kind of evil and exploitive. Not at all. You think when we're in heaven and I was doing the hunting and I'm able to convince someone that the love of God is true for them as well and they are standing in the line with me, they're going to be thinking, well, that was very exploitive that you were spending time with me just so you could gain an advantage to talk to me about the Lord. Do you think they're going to think that? Of course they're not going to think that. What's the benefit for me? Yes, there is a benefit for me to see them with the sheep on the last day. Why did Jesus sacrifice himself? What was the benefit for him? So he could see you forever and eternity with him. You see the power then of putting Jesus first and then the church and those who are pre-Christians first before yourself? That's the first love, I believe. And so the, the deeds that are strength of toil and your deeds, perseverance means to uh, cheerfully, uh, hopefully endure hardship. So you have the strength to power through, but you do it with a cheerful attitude. How many have the strength to power through, but, well, I won't even ask you this, but you have a tendency to grumble. I'm going to make this thing, but I'm not liking it at all. And you might not even say anything, but in your mind you're thinking it. Because that's not, a, that's not cheerful. See, so he's talking about cheerful perseverance. You know, the things that they were going through back then are horrific compared to what we as American Christians have ever experienced. Well, you take a look at intolerance of evil people. You are intolerant. Did you know there's training going on in most workplaces to help you be tolerant? To help you be tolerant of evil people? Just accept them as they victimize our children and victimize others. Just, just tolerate them. That word tolerant means not to tolerate evil people in their practice is in the context of the body of Christ. There are people, there are people that were coming in to that assembly and they would not tolerate them. Real quick example. Some of the leadership men here know. Brian knows. Kirk knows. Uh, Jeff knows. In the past, there have been some very evil men who came in to prey upon our children. And we were very observant and very watchful. And when we saw that, we confronted them. And they denied it. And so... I did my due diligence and did a lot of background. It takes a lot of time to find out. You go visit, you go call on people. And then when we found out, if they want to come to the assembly, that's fine. But they have to be in a limited area like here in this assembly hall. We forbid them to be anywhere else, any classroom. Tamara went downstairs, and I think it was you, went downstairs and opened the door, and here he was. After he, and this was a child's children's classroom. There's no children there yet. 
And he was downstairs in one of those classrooms. He was bodily escorted out. He was fighting all the way. He said, you can't kick me out. And I called LCSO. Look, you can't put up with that stuff. Are you going to protect the children? Are you going to protect the women? Yes or no? If you think I'm wrong in doing that, King Jesus says we shouldn't tolerate that. Look, it's all around us in the world. Why would we expose our children to that here? Do you think we should protect our children wherever they're at? Yes or no? Absolutely, positively. Evil is abounding. We need to what? Not allow that evil into our families or into this church family. Should we allow them to come and learn about Christ? Absolutely. We don't know, but when we find out, I mean, I could go on and on one that's just a horrible, horrible story that um, Kirk and I went and, and talked to him at home and he said, I know it's true, but there ain't nothing you can do about it. Well, he would never came back to this assembly. See, it's important for us to have that mindset. Now, that sounds judgmental. If you think that's judgmental, then go back and listen to what King Jesus says. Would you want me to protect your little girl? To the point of saying, you can't be here because you're not willing to repent. Would you want me to check your two? You're too old to sleep, man. Okay. I'm going to protect them like a you know guard dog. Okay. So it's important for us to know that. Hatred of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You know the Nicolaitans were? They were perverts that got into the church. Same thing. Do we hate their deeds? We want them to come out of their mess. We want them to repent. But if they're not willing to repent, we can't stand that. The, the Nicolaitans were a, a group of hedonists. Hedonists are those who pleasure is the highest good. And their pleasure was that of fornication and adultery. They would sneak in and take an advantage of weak-willed women. Perseverance, endurance, not growing weary, staying the course. They were not willing to compromise. But Jesus said, remember, love me first and love the church next. And those who are not yet Christians who may become brothers, you need to love them with the same love that I've had for you before you were a Christian. I don't know about you, but I want King Jesus to call me out. By the way, King Jesus called me out on this very first church. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that priorities can get messed up pretty easy. Maybe not for you, but for me. I can put things before King Jesus. I can put people before King Jesus. How can I be a super great husband if Sharon is put before King Jesus? And if Sharon lets me down and I haven't followed Jesus, I'm going to be angry at her, right? 
You see, King Jesus needs to be first. So in this first church, the church there at Ephesus, they're doing a great job. They just needed to make sure that the motives of why they were doing what they're doing was always about a love for Jesus and the love for his family. Can we do that? I pray that we will. Now, we got a little excited, so we're going to have to finish this one up next week. And so that means I get to preach about the love of God starting next year, which is kind of good because, what is it? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We'll do love, and then we'll jump right back to hope. All right? So let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for calling me out. Maybe some other people, too. Putting your son Jesus Christ first to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love my neighbor just like he loves them. The closest neighbors, of course, are, are my church family and then those that you've allowed me to spend time with. Thank you for calling me out. Thank you, Father, for helping me to realize that this kindness and the endurance and the, the toil, the cheerful commitment to work through these these challenges, Father, are so critical. It's okay to hate evil and to not allow evil people to influence and take advantage of and hurt and draw, whether it be children or other uh, people, away from you. I pray, Father, that we would listen to what you say through your word and we would embrace it so that we would grow our faith knowing that victory is ours if we will remain faithful, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our toil in the Lord is not in vain. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all get excited. Come on, stand up. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, chairs and, and tables.